Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 27 of Thrive Deeper. DJ here and excited to bring you this conversation between Matthew Jacoby and myself. Now in this week's episode, we head headlong into the book of Esther. What makes this Old Testament book of Esther so unique? We're going to look at a bit of the overview, get started in the story in this episode and uh, carry it on into next week's episode as well. Really hope you enjoy our discussion in the book of Esther. I took away new insights as I read through in preparation for this. So I'm, I'm excited to bring this one to you. Now, as we get started in this week's episode, Matthew and I are sitting down and we are surrounded by Christmas decorations in the studio. So we were talking about what we really think about Christmas and where we sit with it all. So enjoy that, and I'll be at the other end of the discussion to wrap up this week's episode. Enjoy this week's discussion. So as, as we're recording this, Matt, we've, we're, we're heading headlong into Christmas season. Yes, we are. Yeah. How, how, now, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit grinchy. Yeah, I was about yeah, to I'm say. Yeah, I'm a bit grinchy. Like, <laughs> I love what it means, but I'm a bit over Christmas carols. Like, just a little bit grinchy. When you say you're a little bit I'm over Christmas... I'm just warning you. Yeah when, you're, yeah, when you say you're a little bit over Christmas carols, we're recording this on the 7th of December, right? So we haven't even <laughs> gotten right. close. <laughs> are, you, are you saying at this particular season or in life in general? I love the hymns. Look, I, I, the, the, the Christmas hymns, you know, yeah. they're beautiful. And it's the, the jingle bells. And the, it's honestly, it's like a serious. Maybe, I think maybe it's a personal thing. It's because it reminds me that I'm getting older. It's like, seriously? Didn't we? Wasn't this just last yeah. month that we yeah. had Christmas? Yeah, exactly. Anyway. It goes by very, very quickly. Now, oh, do, you, do, you, do you have any Christmas traditions in the household, in the Jacoby household? Uh, well, the um, German side of, of my family celebrates Christmas on Christmas Eve. Of course, we do the big Christmas Eve dinner. Yep, and uh, the British side is, of course, Christmas Day, along with everyone else here. So you get double double bonus. Double bonus, except normally when I, when I'm with my dad, that's when we do the Christmas Eve thing. So but just you, Christmas Day this this year. So not just with the your one dad. Christmas. Oh, you poor yeah. thing. <laughs> not no no Christmas vacations. Uh, no, not 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 this year. We're hanging around. Do you are hanging you have you got a full preaching schedule at the church over Christmas and no, summer? I'll, well, I'm I'm speaking on Christmas Day yeah. at um, One Hope Baptist Church, as yes. it's now called. Yeah, um, and uh, and then I have a bit of a break uh, okay. in, in January. So I'll nice. Be good. I try to I try to take a break around this time of year. Yeah, I, I get a little bit tired of the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I always I often say that I always feel like there's something wrong if I'm talking about God more than I'm talking to God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I mean, I don't think I I don't think that's been uh, the case, but it can easily become oh, the case. Uh, very and, much so. And I do a lot of talking, and it's nice just to um, uh, take a break, yeah. as much as I love it. Do Do you get? I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit with you with the Grinch side of Christmas, if I can be mm -hmm. totally honest, right? Uh, so much so that I have 
two of the people can't believe this. I had a lady, a, a dear American friend this week, literally, I thought she was going to have a heart attack or report me to the police or the authorities. Mm. Two of my three children, uh, one of them who's just about to turn 15, the other one who is 12, are both spending Christmas and New Year's away from the family this year. <laughs> one in South Africa, one on you know in Queensland oh, away. Wow. And so there's only myself, my wife, and our youngest going to be together for Christmas and New Year's. Wow. Uh, I'm looking forward to it because it's, you know, even smaller. But she just was couldn't believe that you wouldn't have everybody together over Christmas, so that, mm. you know, that tradition. But, yeah, I'm a little bit like you. I'm happy to, you know, keep it, it low-key. It can be very painful for people because often it brings up family yeah. things. And, mm. uh, you know, I used to work way back in the mid-'90s. I used to work at Bowen Prison as a music teacher. Mm. And... Um, it was a really painful day for the, you know, for the inmates of, of the prison, and 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 I said, you know, so do you miss? I said to one of the guys, you know, so do you miss catching up with the? I said, he said, no, no, it was worse when I was out, you know, because it was, it just, it just brought, you know, it just brought the a family lot of conflict, brawls, and yeah. lot, you know, so so it actually for a lot of people, I think it's worth, it's always worth remembering that, you know, I'm, I know, for a lot of us, it's happy families, but it's it's not that way for yeah. a lot of people, and. Need to be mindful of that. Yeah, but that's that, that's um, you know, of course, Christmas is a great time to get together with uh, family and friends, and it's great. Well, the great news so. is is that our schedule of, of podcasting over the over the you know for us in Australia yeah. the summer period, we're not slowing down. No rest for the wicked oh, for us. Oh, so I don't get rest. No, for you that. don't get okay. no rest for this for our for our voices okay. here. We're going to continue going straight okay. through, uh, because because of course our, what we're trying to do with this podcast is not so much make it tied to the season and the day when we're recording it. We want this to be longevity, you know, yeah, not yeah, last, yeah, you know, yeah. not last there. So yeah, and it is, and and I mean the thrive we we do. Um, you know, there's a thrive, like we do mark the, the you know, the season to some mm. extent with Thrive. Yeah. We, we, Thrive doesn't follow the ecclesiastical calendar yeah. or the, you know, the evangelical uh, type of no, traditional. No, it's, not, no, it's not, not so much evangelical, but more the traditional church. Oh, like the Orthodox, yeah. you know, type of calendars uh, and stuff. Well, well, even, even, um, like Anglican churches and Lutheran churches, more traditional yeah. churches follow a liturgical calendar, which yes. where they have Advent and, you know, like, I mean, we have Easter and Christmas, but, uh, Others have, you know, like Pentecost and, yes. and the, the various uh, festivals, um, Christian festivals that have traditionally been observed. Now we don't we don't follow that with the Thrive thing, part, you know, mainly because it, it would just take over because it's you, you've yeah. got the whole year. Would yes. that would and and Thrive is really meant to be oriented around reading through the Bible. But we do, you know, it's Christmas and Easter are both great times to to celebrate key aspects of our uh, of, of our beliefs and to mm. actually. Um, connect with people around those things because everyone's celebrating this time. Yeah. So it's a great time to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Christmas time. Great a, time to talk a, about. A great Jesus. time to become to, to and to celebrate that. Yeah. To, and, yeah. And, and and yeah, and to be an evangelist to yeah. say you know this is the reason for the season. I know That's how right. corny yeah. that is, but yeah. it's totally true. Well, I'm glad you brought up the um, you know the idea of festivals and holy days and things like this because we're about to go into. A very interesting book of the Bible, yeah. which is the basis of a very important Jewish festival. That's right. That was the, a really good segue. Hey, I'm a professional. <laughs> master I'm the pro- yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, just uh, it is. It's the uh, the book book of Esther is yeah. um, uh, is the the festival. Well, the festival that's connected with that is the festival of Purim. Mm. 
which is a big thing. Yeah. In the festival of Purim is a big thing in in the Jewish community. And over in Israel, I was in Israel during the festival of Purim. Oh wow! And it's it's sort of their version of Halloween. Now it's not, it's not. <laughs> obviously, it's got no, no connection yeah. uh, in terms of the content, but in the way that it's celebrated, like everyone dressing up. Yeah. Like they have an almighty big party. People get dressed up. They're big festivals. Like is it a particular time of the year every year? Yeah, it's it? around sort of early March. Okay. You know, it's it's around that that time mm, of year. Mm. I think it seems to move yep. uh, a, a bit. As a lot, of, a lot of the Jewish holidays do actually move. It's not on the same day every year mm. type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I was over there uh, during that time. And like in Tel Aviv, like people are just walking around everywhere. Just in dress up, it's yeah. just the most classic, awesome, the cl- a real classic t- time, and uh, so it's a big celebration yeah. uh, in, in Israel, and for which is which is unusual for us in the Christian tradition, because we get to the Book of Esther and we sort of go, "Yep, okay, moving right along," because we don't really take yeah. a lot of spiritual lessons out of it. Traditionally, Christians yeah. have gone. Oh gee, uh, there's no mention of God in this book. And well, that's right. I mean, that's ugh. that's one of the big things. There, there isn't actually God yeah. isn't explicitly mentioned in the yeah. Book of Esther. Yeah, and so it, it's curious uh, in that sense, but really only in that sense, because in every other sense, the themes of the Book of Ezra are extremely biblical. Esther, Esther. Esther. Yeah. What did I say? Ezra. Oh, sorry, Esther. <laughs> well, we're in the we're in the no, no. Well, okay, okay, that's another great segue because this past week of our readings, for one day, we went brought back into the Book yeah. of Ezra. You yeah. know, so we're sort of giving Esther the context of we the are. overall yeah, story. Right. Of yeah. so, let's let's paint that bigger picture again. We have been talking about the story of the exiles, the Jewish exiles coming yeah. out of Babylonia, yeah. out of uh, the um, you know the Persian Empire. Yeah. And under the uh, under yeah. different leaders yeah. going back to Jerusalem yeah. to re-establish the Jewish nation. Yeah, that's right. So that happens in uh, five. The, well, the proclamation of Cyrus to yes. release the Jewish people from and let them go home is in five thirty-seven. Um, that they are, you know, working on uh, the temple around five thirty-five back in Jerusalem. The temple is completed now. Ezra is not there on the scene yet. Yes. This is under Zerubbabel and Joshua the priest, and mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about that. And we've we've heard from Haggai and, and Zechariah, and Zechariah during that time, right? So when they they see the temple uh, through to completion, and that's in five fifteen. Uh, now this is why we jump now over to back back into Persia. Yeah. Um, so this is actually east, the city of Susa, uh, where the story of Esther is set. Is actually. Uh, it's the capital of the Persian Empire, because remember, the Persians defeated the Babylonians. Yes. But the capital of Persia remains in Susa, which is east of uh, Babylonia in modern-day Iran, uh, yeah. I believe. I think so. Uh, okay. Now, now uh, what we're talking... And this is, five, this is 483. Okay. So, so w- 515, Yes. we're going backwards, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then 483 is when the events begin in the in a, story in of Esther. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, from the time that uh, Daniel was taken in, like the main exiles were taken in after Daniel yep. and everything like yep. that, hundred and something years after that. Uh, yes, yes, it's like it 100, is 110, yeah, 120. Yes, yeah, so the last lot of exiles actually went into exile around. There was actually there was a small smaller contingent, hmm. like a fourth deportation that was around. 
583, actually. Yeah. The main deportation was in 586. Okay. Um, so this is 100 years after that. Yeah, so we're, so 100 years after that, when you think of 100 years, you think, okay, there's generations of Jewish people born into this yeah, civilization. Absolutely. We've been following yeah, this point. we've been yeah. following the story of those Jews who've gone back to the homeland and now we sort of go meanwhile yeah back, back in Persia. That's right, back in Persia and and this is the interesting thing that that we find out from this book and I actually noted noted it from reading this time is that one of the things that's said in the book of Esther about the Jewish people in general throughout the empire hmm. is that they are completely different to anyone else and they observe distinct customs. So that's a that's a really important point. Yeah. Because, of course, the problem before the exile was that they just kept trying to be like everyone else, yeah. right? <laughs> and so the exile, it really, uh, they at, at least... At least a remnant. I mean, the, the the statement that's made by Haman in the story. We'll talk about him a little later. Um, I mean, it could be a general statement about because they're the ones, of course, that you would notice. Yes. Uh, but there certainly is a big community. Not only those who end up coming back to Jerusalem, but even amongst the community that remain there, yeah. who are very committed actually to their Jewish faith, committed enough to be completely distinct mm. to. Um, to anyone else. Hmm. So the 40-odd thousand that came back to Jerusalem uh, from five from 537 right through to Ezra's time and afterwards, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're not the only kind of real law-observing Jews. There's plenty back in exile, and, and we meet them yep. in this story. And, and the whole point of when I say that the story of Esther is thoroughly biblical, yeah. it's basically a story that shows that God is faithful to his everlasting covenant with the covenant people. Yeah. That's, and, and uh, because it's in the story of Esther that the greatest recorded threat uh, in the whole Bible, the greatest recorded threat mm. to uh, God's covenant people, Israel or the Jewish people, is happens right here. Wow. Like, Complete annihilation yes. throughout the Persian Empire. That yeah. this is the threat that that comes up in this book, right? Yeah. This is the story mm. that there's there was this this decree that goes out to completely exterminate all of the Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire. Now, the Persian Empire is everywhere, basically. Yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. So this is this is uh, salvation from complete genocide. And, and when we and when we think of it's hard for us to think as modern you know people living in in in, in our era of a uh, you know an empire that covers the whole world you know practically the whole world because yeah. we think of a big country like the USA you know or Great yeah, you know yeah. that type of thing we've got these countries or China or Russia no no. Persia was ruling the yeah, the known right. world. Yeah, I mean they went right to the border of India in the yeah. east. Yeah, and then and well, uh, in the west they didn't go as far as Rome. They mm. they, they annexed at least most of Greece. So mm -hmm. Thrace and uh, if if you um, picturing a map of ancient yeah. history, which of course you are right now. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, we know it well. Uh, so yeah, so so they a annexed you know like Greece right through. If you imagine Greece right through to yeah. to the border of India. I mean that's a massive. Oh, and Egypt in the yes. south. Yeah, and because remember there were lots of Jews in, in Egypt, yeah. and these this decree went out through all of this territory. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, so it's a big, big this deal. This is a big deal. A big, a big deal. Okay, so let's let's take a bit of a overview. Okay, so we've seen it in in the historical, uh, you know, transition there. The the we we popped we went back to Jerusalem, saw what was happening in in Jerusalem. You know, yeah. there's there's a you know an, uh, you know a whole another set of events about to get started in 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 Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, with the with the yeah. you know fortifying everything there. Yeah. Yeah. But we're heading back into into Persia to see what's happening there. Authorship of the book. This is an unusual one mm. because it doesn't say, now, I am so-and-so yeah. and I'm writing this book. It just begins. Well, well, it, the, a lot of the historical books don't yes. do that. I mean, we, we, we don't necessarily know with kings. We think that Ezra Nehemiah is written by Ezra. Yes. Um, now, the, it's it's quite possible that the book of Esther was written by Mordecai, yeah. who's one of the main characters. And again, we'll go through the story and, yeah. and we'll discuss this. Uh, but Mordecai is, is this uh, one of the two main character characters, Esther and Mordecai. So, um, who is Esther's uh, relative? So, um, and who sort of adopts Esther? Yeah. So um, maybe it probably probably was written by Mordecai. Yeah, or at least taken from the notes that he, yeah, you know, like yeah, he's yeah. he basically yeah. his diary. So uh, we, we've got it there. And looking at it historically, uh, I, I, you know, looking at some of the notes about the historical acceptance of the book, it was never it was never in real contention with you know with Jewish people. You yeah. know, as far as yeah. this is part of our, yeah. you know, our holy works. You know, this yeah. is part of our scrolls. Yeah. You know that we read from. But the early church, for the first couple of hundred years, yeah. were a little bit like, oh, don't know about yeah, this yeah. one. That's right. Don't know about that sure. one. Yeah. And look, and, and it, I mean, authorship could well be later, as you say. I mean, I think probably, you know, a lot of scholars suggest that the authorship is later and that yeah. it was sort of backfilling the, yeah. the festival of Purim. But there seemed to be, I mean, I did a bit of a survey, there seems to be, you know, consensus, like like there seems to be a lot of optimism about the historicity about the story. I mean, there are, there are critical scholars who would say, oh, no, it's just a nice story. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they always say that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, like um, putting aside a, um, you know, starting with doubt yes. way of approaching yes. the Bible, yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which I think is problematic. You know, if, if, we, if we come... Uh, then, then I think um, uh, it's it's probably authored soon, soon after this time, perhaps a little later. Yeah. And yes, the, the early church did have a bit of a, a problem with it, and, and a bit around this idea of it. Well, this is a nice story, but where is God in yeah, this story? Yeah. Uh, it is unusual, actually, in, in that that you would have a book that wouldn't mention God. I mean, this well, is this is let's face it. I I, I kind of get that. That's there, well. There's only two books really that do not mention God in the Bible: Song of Solomon. Yeah. And and Esther. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I read I read one note, and you can probably fill me in, Matt, if you're across it with your your, your scholar scholarly work, is that the early versions of, of some of the Greek translations, when the church went, okay, we'll let it in. Some yeah. of the Greek translations went, okay, but slip more God in it. And some of the later <laughs> manuscripts right. have got, and so God did this, and God God, and they've yeah, like yeah, put right. it in. But the earliest, the Jewish the Jewish you know copies of like, no, there's no. What yeah, are you mentioning right. God in it for? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So. Um, and it's not look. Uh, it, it is. It is. Um, apart from that element, I mean, it really fits in so well with mm. the themes uh, of scripture because because what happens here is so consistent with the nature of the covenant, covenant fulfillment. I mean, all of the narratives in the Old Testament are all about how God is faithful mm -hmm. uh, to His covenant with His people, and this is what this story is all about. I mean, yeah. it's 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 another instance of. 
uh, of, of a narrative that that is is essentially addressing God's faithfulness. So it's strong. I mean, it, even saying it's strongly implied is too weak. Yeah, I think God is there in this. It's just not mentioned explicitly. Okay, so let's let's you know. Uh, we mentioned the cast of characters that we're going to be yeah. talking about. Of course, there's the person of Esther. Yeah. And Esther being like Daniel. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he, Esther being probably the renamed name of, yeah. of, of yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. Ishtar because the – and it, I mean, both Mordecai and Esther are, are, have um, – well, Babylonian names yes. actually. Mordecai after Marduk, the yes. god Marduk. Yeah. And Esther – well, I mean, the the, the Ishtar uh, was quite or Ashtoreth. I mean, this is yeah. the female goddess yes. uh, that is very popular in the ancient Near East. So she's actually named after this. I mean, it's interesting that these very Jewish yeah. people have these very pagan names. Yeah, and they've become over history. But that was quite common. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, in, in, over history, the the paganness of the original of yeah, the names doesn't right. matter. And lost, now yeah, yeah. We, we think of two of the most Jewish names that we can think of, Mordecai and Esther. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Mordecai and Esther. They're, they're relatives, uncle, cousin, maybe yeah, yeah, type of yeah. thing. She's she's an orphan, been adopted yeah. by her relative. Yeah. Mordecai is raising her there. Yeah. And then we also have the king of Persia. Yes. So um, now there's... Just, just before we get on to him. Okay. Yep. So, so Mordecai, his father come, came, his father uh, went into exile uh, with, with, with the exiles. So yes. he's... First generation. First generation. First yeah. generation in exile. Now he is, uh, interestingly, he is a descendant of Kish. Of Kish it, it, he goes through Shimei and Kish. Yes. Uh, so he's a descendant of Saul. Wow. Okay. I didn't pick Mordecai up on that. Yeah. is a descendant of Saul of uh, of King Saul. Wow. Okay, so he's a Benjamite uh, yeah. descendant of Saul. Now uh, we just shelve that uh, for for a little later. Okay, if we can just put a little a little uh, asterisk, little, little, little pin up the end on the yeah, board yeah. there. Okay. Speaking of Ishtar, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, and yes, and and then we have Xerxes. Um, now, have you have you seen? Okay, Xerxes the second. I know exactly where you're going to go. I know exactly where you're going to go. Have you seen 300? The, yes, the movie, right? The movie 300. Okay, the king that's on on the big stage that yeah. gets dragged along with all yeah. the chains hanging. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's that's Esther's husband. Yeah. That's Xerxes uh, here. So we are now in that period where the Greeks are beginning to yeah. rise up. So in this the is the period of, of yeah. Thermopylae and all of those. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the period of uh, when uh, you know 300. Do it for Sparta. All of that is yeah, around. All of that stuff. Yeah, right. is, is okay. around this era. Now you're 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 doing what most uh, you know. I, I think most scholars these days are saying this is this is the uh, the Persian king uh, Xerxes yeah. in here because because over the years there's been arguments for different Persian kings that could have been in which era. Yeah. Well, there's not. I mean, th- th- there's it's fairly um, solid. Now, it's solid enough for um, a lot of English translations now to translate what in Hebrew is Ahasuerus. Yes. So in, in the Hebrew, uh, the, the the king is named as Ahasuerus. Now, I mean, there, there are reasons for what. I mean, dual, you know, there are often dual names. Yes. Uh, we see that in a lot of cases where kings are, na- are called this rather than this because they have different titles. Yeah. But but there's, there, there seems to be little doubt that this is actually that this is Xerxes. So so him, which is a historically yeah you know he is an, we, we know, we know him, quite a bit yeah, about yes. uh, about uh, Xerxes and of course as I've said he he's the uh, he's the one that's fighting against the Greeks at Thermopylae as well yeah yeah and in this story he's pretty much a caricature of a over the top always got a drink in his hand. 
you know, uh, yeah. the rich, you know, uh, you know, uh, ruling king. Yeah, he he had, uh, he was excessively wealthy. Yeah, yeah, excessively beyond wealthy. beyond what we could imagine. Yeah, like be like like take what you think of the most wealthiest, you know, um, yeah. you know, billionaire in, uh, you know, Dubai. Yeah, doesn't even scratch the yeah, surface. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he. Uh, th- th- there's a story that that goes on, on um, during and Herodotus narrates this incident that occurred during Xerxes' retreat from Greece in one of these battles when the king left his tents uh, left his tent in one of the abandoned camps mm-hmm. and the Greeks you know found the tent full of silver and gold couches and all, all of this this wealth and they um, they asked themselves. Why would this rich Persian want to want to yeah. conquer want to conquer these uh, impoverished yeah. Greeks, right? Yeah. What yeah. can we possibly yeah. uh, answer? So that's you know that's something that's recorded in Herodotus. So so he is a excessively yeah. uh, excessively wealthy. So do you think the three hundred? I mean the three hundred movie. I mean yeah. a bit warning. We're not recommending the three hundred yeah. movie. Well, it's it's. A, it's the story behind it is an amazing story. Yeah, the yeah. story of the uh, Spartans, I it, referred it, to them as Greeks before, but the, yeah. uh, I mean, they, they kind of are, they yes. are, yeah. but they're a very distinct group. The Spartans, it, it is, the, the, the story of the 300 Spartans is a, an amazing, amazing story. story. Yeah. It's it's over the top. It's rated, I don't know, whatever, M for a reason. It's pretty over yeah, the top of the MA, film. Think, yeah. uh, so we're not recommending for, you know, it's not a family type film, but the betrayal of, of Xerxes the King yeah. in that movie is breathtaking. You know, yeah. like you, you literally, when yeah. he enters in the screen for oh, the yeah. first time, you're gobsmacked that that a human being, like he, he, he seems like yeah. a god. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. type of thing. Do you like that portrayal? Uh, I, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, because, you know, because I knew yeah. uh, of Xerxes and I thought, oh, I wonder how they're going to, I mean, I sort of saw the shorts and I thought, oh, I don't know, that's not how... It's it's certainly not how a Persian king would have looked. Yes. You know, they would have had the beard and... Yes. and I mean, we... And so... They've they've portrayed him uh, a little oddly there, but um, he, he, in in terms of his the the godlike portrayal, yes. see, see they were they were hailed as being like yeah, gods, yeah. you know, um, and uh, and so it's very consistent. So, so I like that about it that that sort of characterization, and and also the fact that he was enormously wealthy and enormously powerful, and yeah. I think that comes through, yeah, yeah, as yeah, well in three hundred. One more character we've got to hear for this story, and there's yeah. got to be. And you thought that you know Xerxes or the King of Persia might be the uh, the bad guy, but no, no, no. He's just the King yeah, of Persia. He's right. it's yeah. power the bees. Yeah. There's one more character, and you've got to have for for a really good story, you've got to have a really good villain. Yep, that's and right. And we get a great yeah. villain here. Yeah, we get Haman. We, we get Haman. Yeah. So he's an especially good villain, and I'm gonna, I'll tell you why he's an especially good villain. He is called Haman the Agagite. Yeah. Not not ha- not Haman the Persian, yeah, not yeah. Haman the Babylonian, right. like okay. the Agagite. Where is okay. this from? Agagite. So, l- let me ask you a question. Do, do, do you remember an a- Agag from yes. anywhere? Yes. Tell me about Agag. A- a- Agag uh, goes back right to the again right to the beginning of the Jewish, you know, uh, the Jewish nation. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, he. Let, let's. This is a guessing game. Uh, remember, I mentioned that Mordecai is a descendant of King Saul. Yes. Okay. Now Saul has uh, has some dealings with Agag, the yes. king of the Amalekites. Yes. Which and is a which is part of the Canaanite family of people. Yeah. Have I got yeah, that yeah, wrong? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So the Amalekites are, are part of these uh, are part of these this people, and uh, 
the then this is very significant for this story because it's easy yeah. to miss this. Yes. Um, uh, and this is why I say he's an especially good villain, right? Yeah. Because he is descended from Agag, apparent according to the, the yes. narrative. Yes. Descended from Agag, who's an Amalekite. Now the Amalekites were the really the number one. I mean, we often think of the Philistines as the arch enemies of Israel, yeah. but but the Amalekites particularly so because they had a particular curse put upon them because of their constant opposition to Israel. So remember. In uh, and and it's in, if I recall correctly, Genesis. Uh, sorry, Exodus seventeen, when uh, Israel are, are walking through the desert and they're yes. attacked. Remember Moses yes. lifts his hands yes. during the battle, and they're fighting and, the Amalekites. And, fight, and it's yeah. the Amalekites that they're fighting, right? Wow. They have trouble later again with the Amalekites right. while they're wandering in the desert. Yeah. They uh, wouldn't let them. They cover. wouldn't let them through. Yeah. They're, they're just constant. And and at one point, and, and so at one point there is this. God puts this curse on the Amalekites and says that their name will be blotted out from the earth, right? Wow. And and this is the big issue when um, when Saul fights against the Amalekites and he brings Agag back along with the sheep and the cattle. Yes, that's and, what I'm, and that's... Samuel confronts him and um, and says, "What is this bleeding of sheep? Yeah. Like you were meant to utter, utterly destroy uh, this people and, yeah. and e- not even bring any plunder, not yeah. even win any plunder from this." Uh, just even just just destroy everything, and it's that and, heartbreaking scene of Saul grabbing hold. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know. and he, because he should not have left uh, yeah. the the Agagite, the Amalekite king Agag, yeah. alive. And God, that's when God has said, "I'm done with you, Saul." Yeah, that's that's when God says, "I'm yeah. done with you, Saul." Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now here is Mordecai, right? Who's a descendant of Saul? Okay, I love it. I love He's it. a descendant yeah. of Saul. And and he is going to be instrumental in the destruction of Haman, who's a descendant of Agag. I mean, this is amazing <laughs> stuff. Right? I love it. This, this is, is great. and this is classic. You know, th- this just happens again and again in the Bible. This is this is the brilliance of this. Mm. It all these strands connect up and reconnect mm. at points, mm. and it's it's like never ignore the details. Yeah. Don't ever ignore the details. Wow. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, I sort of, I feel bad because I skimmed. I went, I went, Agag, okay, Saul, yes, yeah, I don't sort of skimmed yeah, over. Right, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get into, into the rest of it there. Okay, that's great. Now, um, we've mentioned, uh, you know, the fact, uh, you know, before we get into the, into the crux of the story here in the first, we'll, we'll set up the first couple of chapters here and then we'll continue it on in next week's episode, but. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things, and we've, we don't want to bang on it too much about it, but the the fact that it is one of the two books of the Bible that does not explicitly say the Lord did this, the God, you know, God yeah, did yeah. this, and and there's been different interpretations why. And I liked one particular interpretation that says it, it's 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 sort of taking the biblical narrative to the next level, where it's saying to the reader, okay, you'll you'll you, this is phase two of your lessons, yeah. You find God. Um, yeah. We're not going to. We're not going to say God did this. You've got to look into the story and say, okay, where yeah. is God in the story? Yeah. And I, I, there's something about that I really particularly loved because it is full of coincidences. Yeah. It is full of ironies. It's full of those moments yeah. like you've just laid out with, yeah. you know, the descendants here. And it doesn't say that God set it all up. It's now expecting you to look it through it in a worldview and go, well, of course it's God. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, and and I think I think it does that. I think it draws you in. You think, ah, oh, I know what's going on here. <laughs> like, you know, for Jewish readers, this is like all of the tension in the story is, you know, here is this decree against the Jewish people, and straight away, an original Jewish reader would have said, ah, what, what, 
wait a second, what about the everlasting covenant? You know, what about God's eternal plan for his people? They can't be wiped out. I mean, it says in the in the, the Genesis uh, 12 um, covenant, you know, God says, I will bless you, make you into a great nation, and through you all the ends of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. Not only that, but it says, I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you, I will curse. Mm. So there's this expectation, well, the people now are being threatened with death. They've been cursed. Mm. Right, okay. Uh, this is... About now yeah, is when yeah. God is when God steps in. This yeah. is this is so, so. This is the kind of tension that's built up uh, yeah. in this book, and 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 the way that happens is in classic biblical fashion, where it's this idea of judgment recalling upon those who meet out judgment. So you know, Psalm thirty-five, for example, says, you know, they dug a pit for me, but they have fallen into it themselves. Yes, yes. you know, it's this idea, or, or they spread a net for me, but they've been caught in it themselves. Yeah. Like yeah. they they were. Snared by the very evil oh, that they poured out of me. This and, and this is this reflexive thing. And this book, Esther, is a, is a pretty much a mirror image. Yeah. What what the what what this man has decided to use for evil, this is going to be meted out yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah, you know, I'm going right, to use yeah. the exact like it's explicitly laid yeah, out. Yeah, that's in this right. Book. So in in the end, uh, Haman is impaled on the yeah. pole that he yeah. lifted up for Mordecai. Um, I mean, it's yeah. it is it's exactly. It happens in exactly the way that it's stated again and again and again. And often in those cases, it's stated met- metaphorically. Yes. You know, this idea, they dug a pit for me, but they've fallen into it themselves. Yes. That's a metaphor yeah. in a lot of places but where this... it happens. But actually here it happens literally. Like It's like he lifted up a pole for me yeah. to be impaled on, and yeah. he has been impaled on it himself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, impaling, of course, would, well, it's a very unfortunate thing well, to have to mention. Well, this is the other – This here's the other sort of um, – Interesting thing about this book, you know, is that even though we've got good guys and bad guys and we've got this weird king, (laughs) the good guys sometimes aren't exactly that good. Uh, Well, there's a lot of violence and bloodshed in this. Yeah, there's a lot of violence. I mean... um, you know, I mean, perhaps when we go through the story, we can we can cover well, that. Well, I'm just gonna yeah, yeah. We'll leave that there. We don't have to justify yeah. anything yet. But as we get through the story, there's going to be some moments. Well, 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 there's certainly lots of violence, but that's yeah. you know, I mean, this is a violent people. Yeah. Well, um, a violent time. It's it actually is a defensive because the decree went out to kill the and, and yes. it, you know, there's the famous thing of the laws laws of the Medes and the Persians. Yeah. I mean, we even have that saying. It's yeah. All, it's not the law of the Medes and the Persians. Yes. The law of the Medes and the Persians mean when a law, a decree is made, it can't be rescinded. Yes. So there had to be another decree allowing the Jews to defend themselves. Yeah. Uh, that, that was how this, that, that's how the issue was solved in the end. Okay. Hence the violence is, is defensive. So people every, because another important contextual thing around this time is that it, it, it's evident that there's a high degree of anti-Semitism during this period. Yes. So when the decrees go out in the book of Esther, hey, kill all the Jewish people. Oh, oh, great. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they have, uh, because they became quite wealthy. Mm. They um, ascended to positions of great uh, prominence yes. in the empire. Yep. I mean, we see this in the book of Daniel, don't yes. we? Yes. Like Daniel gets blessed, 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 yep. and they're always trying to kill him off. They're yep. trying to kill off these Jewish people. And we yep. see that even there in Daniel, right? So And Daniel, and Daniel's, the like, Daniel's like the, uh, the setting of this type of theme. Yeah. And Esther's like, okay, we're going to now dial dial up to a hundred, where it's yeah, not just yeah, one right. man that's, yeah, yeah. that the enemy wants to take down. It's, it's the, the entire whole people, right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, and it's almost it's almost like being able to see the spiritual side of things, where Satan goes, "I'm going to attack this one godly man," and yeah. then at this point, he goes, 
no, you know what? I need to get rid of the entire Jewish people. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right. Throughout, yeah. throughout here. Yeah. And yeah. So, so that's that, that's really what happens there. So, mm. so this, it's you know, there's this prevalent anti-Semitism, and the decree goes out saying kill and destroy all, all the Jewish people, and and plenty of people think, oh, great, this is our chance yeah. to bring all these people down. Yeah. And and so th- there's a lot. There is a lot of fighting and death, mm. uh, but it is fundamentally defensive. Isn't it? Is and and it's. I mean. Just side note here, Esther is such a an amazing pattern on the sadly the the the, the wheel of history that keeps yeah. that has yeah. been repeating up yeah. until this very day, yeah. where the Jewish people are marked for destruction yeah. by different civilizations. Yeah, by, by different civilizations. That's yeah. important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it is. It's it's a you know it's it is a really tragic fact of history. Yeah. And um, you know you, we see we see this here, and and so th- there's a real poignancy actually to this. We were talking about Purim before. There's yeah. a real poignancy to Purim, yeah. particularly in the wake of the 20th century and mm. and the anti-Semitism of the early 20th century. Um, and you know I, I felt that when I was in Tel Aviv, and and the, there's just the joy and the celebration around that festival, and and combined with with them having their space there. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in in the land of Israel, and and it just it just seemed extra poignant given yeah. the last uh, last hundred years, but even the last two thousand yeah. and, and in fact the last four thousand years exactly. Yeah. We go right back yeah. to the very beginning, uh, and and again one more small point, uh, especially in some of the things that I've been reading out reading up as we begin ready for this this week. I think it's important to remember that. The church hasn't replaced Israel in God's design. No, no, God has a you know, and and the people and the yeah. Jewish people are still, you know, the apple of God's. You know, they're yeah, still. Yeah, he yeah. still has a plan. Yeah, he's not finished with them yet because it's an ever because he made an everlasting covenant. That's it. Uh, with him. Now, look, th- th- there are some people who would advocate the idea that the church has replaced Israel. What to, what what is that form of theology? It, it's called, called replacement theology. Uh, replacement theology. Yeah. I think I think that's difficult. I I, I feel like it, you know I feel like Paul is fairly clear in Romans nine to eleven that yeah. that because his heart goes out to his people and, mm. and he's not just saying oh well that's all finished now yeah that there's no such thing as a Jewish people and it's all about the, the church now and the book no, of Re- and the book of Revelation is pretty yeah, yeah, hard yeah, to yeah, interpret yeah, if you yeah, if you take right. out yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. concept. Yeah. So I, I think that's like I, I get that it's theologically neat. It, yes. it, it is. It's it's a theologically neat. Um, idea, but it's not. I, I can't see how, how that could be the case. Yeah, uh, I, th- from yeah but th- I mean that whole principle of that the church is, you know, comes under the umbrella or is grafted in yeah. or is part of it. Great, but we don't replace. Yeah. We don't supersede. That's right. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, when we speak of that, too, I think it's important to. It, it's in in terms of God's covenant people, the ethnic, you know, the ethnic yes. uh, Jewish people, because. Um, what exactly that looks like? It's political manifest. I, I think I think we've got to be just a little cautious oh, yes. about about just saying. Oh, therefore, we need to unconditionally yes, support, support. Yes. Uh, the, the state of Israel. Or, I mean, look, and and I, th- I know lots of people have. Uh, I feel very passionate about that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. we we it, that's that, that's a yeah. slightly um, that's another step uh, again. Yes, and uh, that that may that may well be a good thing, but. Um, I just think there's caution to be uh, had there. Well, we've got an entire, you know, uh, most of our Bible recording 
the Jewish, you know, the Jewish people's great decisions and not so great decisions when it comes to their, their ruling. And we see that today yeah, yeah, as well. Right. Yeah. There's some stuff that the Jewish, you know, the state of Israel does that we go, bravo, that is fantastic. Yeah. And then there's other decisions you go, oh my goodness, what are they doing? So I think we can, we, like you say, we can be open-eyed about yeah. it and realize. And there are even differences of opinion amongst yeah. religious Jews about the status yes. of all of these political things. I mean, there's no, and so I think it, that 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 it's it's current political manifestation. I mean, I you know I think God's been doing some amazing things. Amen. And and you know I think uh, I think in many ways, uh, you know, prophecy has been fulfilled, and 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 I, I agree with all of those things. Um, I just think it's important not to take a naive approach to this uh, to this issue. And yeah. all right. Good. Now let's go back in our time machine back to Esther. Let's go back again. We're yeah. we're talking all that's about a big, that's a, that that's is a, a massive. A, and again, we're, we're saying all of that to say: remember, this is the story about God dealing with the Jewish people, and yeah. He's doing it. He's showing us a really specific yeah. moment with these with the cast of characters. We got. Okay, so the, the 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 scene, the book opens in this amazingly uh, over the top, ostentatious scene yeah. of the king of Persia. You know, not just throwing a, a little bit of a shinding. He has now been partying for a long time, and you know the wine is flowing. You know the drink is yeah. flowing, and he's got all of his friends around him. 180 days is a long time, isn't it? I mean, that's a. It's like. School yeah. is weak, but for 180 days, you know. Exactly. Permanent school, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, it's crazy. That's what you're sort of imagining, yeah. Um, I don't think it... It doesn't necessarily mean the banquet went for that long, but it's yeah. some sort of... Seems to be some sort of public ec, uh, sort of exposition yeah. that lasts for about a year, you know, that lasts for this yeah. for this time. Um, and he's really showing off his... Yes. He's showing off his wealth and his yeah. power. Mm. And part of that, of course, is to is is you know his queen is 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 to is like the crown jewel yeah. Yeah. of all of his wealth and power. Yeah. Uh, it's the queen who who, who sort of also is uh, kind of the, the the chosen woman out of his harem. I mean, they had the kings in those days had large harems. Yes, uh, it was a kind of sign of your power and wealth. Yes. And so the queen is like your, you know, really your crown jewel. So he wants to. So he's having this party and he's showing off all of his wealth, and he's, you know, all of his mates there. And he says, and he's drunk, and you know, he get get my wife out of here. You know, he wants yeah. to get her out to, uh, you know, do a bit of a dance and show off how beautiful she is. And she's just thinking, get out of here. I'm not. And the queen actually, the you know, the queen's quite has quite a bit of uh, power yeah. as well. Um, but this seems to have gone to her head, and she thinks. Because she's got her, she's got having her little party at the same time. Yes. Now this wasn't because they were segregated, no. uh, because in in, uh, in in those times they certainly uh, got together and did these sorts of things. But she's having her own little do off to yeah. the side yeah. with all her friends. So this is a bit of a battle of the prides. Yes. You know, it's a classic uh, uh, situation, and um, uh, it, so she refuses to come. Yeah, King, King Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti. Yeah, she's like, and, and it's 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 a it's a. Absolute, um, 
you know, yeah. it's it's a it's it's a shame to the king. I mean, oh. it's a it's a spectacle. The whole in, thing. In in reading it in the light of you know news of you know whether it's feminist arguments or men's rights activists, this is yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That this problem goes back two and a half thousand years ago, where where the king of Persia then decides get the guys together. We are making a new decree. Yeah. All men, yeah. <laughs> masters. Yeah. Of their, of their domain. The masters of their home, we are the heads where our word goes. You know, know. it's absolutely it's, hilarious. It's a, it's a classic uh, situation. So yeah. he gets rid of her. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so he's got to find a new queen. And yeah. so he, he, from all around the empire, you know, yeah. the beautiful uh, young women are brought into the harem of the king. Yeah. And he checks them all out, and the less said about that, the better. Yes. And and you know he's to choose his queen, and and this is where <clears throat> this is where we meet uh, Esther, because um, Esther is one of these beautiful uh, young women, uh, young women, and she, she finds particular favour uh, with with the king, mm. and she's chosen to be uh, the new the new, the new queen. queen. Now she. No one. She she withholds what her nationality. Yeah. Uh, this is with. Her. In fact, Mordecai tells her, "Don't mention that you're uh, that you're a Jew." Yeah. Possibly because of the anti-Semitism, because he thinks thinks that's going to um, be held against her. Maybe uh, maybe it, it would be. Mm. So she's uh, she's made she's made queen the and queen. Um, and she's made queen because you know they make make a big point that she is just. The most beautiful yeah. thing that anybody's ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that's right. She's yeah. just this vision, you know, yeah. and they are all just gobsmacked. Yeah. Especially the king is like, "Oh my goodness, yeah. this is it. This is the new queen." I was talking to someone who actually did a, a doctoral, wrote a doctoral thesis on um, on Esther and uh, uh, on actually three. It was on three: uh, Ruth, Esther, and Judith. Uh, the oh, wow. story of Judith is a story from the apocryphal, the yes. sort of intertestamental. Jewish literature, interesting story. Re- recommend it. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and and the, the sort of thesis was that these characters, uh, so think of Esther in this way, is, is a kind of a type of Israel. So this character embodies. Yes. You know, Israel is often uh, the covenant people. Are often, um, you know, portrayed like a like. Uh, a like woman, the, you're the bride, like yes. the bride of you know God's bride, as it yep. were, and yep. uh, and and the covenant is seen like a marriage covenant. You yes. know, and. And uh, and and so, in a way, the characterization of Esther um, sort of fulfills that. You know, the, the 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 beauty and the glory of Israel in the midst of the nations, yeah. uh, and 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 how the, the covenant people becoming prov- prominent. You know, because of the glory of God yeah. in them. So, yeah. I think there's something in that. You yes, know, I, I think I think Esther uh, acts as a kind of type. Of of Israel in this in this situation this narrative I think mm. uh, I think that's a fair way uh, to read this so but but of course Mordecai is the other interesting you know is is really uh, in some ways well, well certainly as just as prominent as, yes. as as Esther in this narrative now he's he um, uh, hangs out at the king's gate and he overhears two guards and it, having I, I a just, conversation. I, I love this as a film. Like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, cut to... Has it been made into a film? Who knows? It should be. In my mind it is. I think there's an old... There probably is a few film, versions of it yeah, out yeah. there. But I love this cut to Mordecai hanging at the gate. And you're thinking, what's going yeah. on here? What, yeah. is this, what has this got to do with anything? Yeah. And there's this crazy He's little scenario. Yeah. Crazy little scenario. He's just walking around, da-da-da, minding his own business. And then he's... Over here's this conversation of yeah. two 
of the palace guards plotting to assassinate Xerxes. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who? Up until this point, as far as, far as we know, is this this crazy drunk, you know, powerful king, yeah, you know, yeah. like well, the very powerful crazy drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Mordecai tells Esther, and Esther tells the king, and gives credit to Mordecai. Yes. And they investigate it. It's found to be true. Yeah. And those guys are Im- impaled well, on yep. poles. As, See you later. As, as is the custom. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, uh, and it's recorded, right? It's recorded. Everything is recorded here. So, yeah. and then it's kind, of, and then this goes by, and it's kind of forgotten about. Boom. And then go, okay. next scene, right? Yeah, next scene. <laughs> cut to our villain. Yeah, cut to Chap- our villain. Chapter three, we get to so, see so, Haman, who is just wonderfully evil. Yeah. So Haman, the descendant of Agag, uh, according to this narrative, is uh, is is put in this very prominent place, probably the second most important person in yeah. the in in the empire. And he elevates him to this place, and he order, and um, and all of the uh, officials uh, are paying, you know, have to pay homage at him. So he comes through the king's gate, right? Whenever he comes through the palace, mm-hmm. everyone kneels down, except Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai won't kneel down to Haman. Um, now, why doesn't he kneel down? Um, it's, you know, I mean, um, it. it it could be because th- there is, you know, because there's more to the kneeling down than just paying honour. Yeah. And he feels that this is against Jewish scruples to do this yep. to a mere man. That may well be the case. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Haman claims something there. Uh, it could also be because he's an Amalekite. Yeah. Uh, that, that could also be uh, the case. He's, yep. he's, that, that this is... Um, Somehow known, but but Haman straight away. I mean, his reasoning we see inside the mind of Haman yeah. that he he accounts it because he's a Jew. That's right. There's no, there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's no right. beg your pardon, no 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 yeah. questioning. So there's something going Jew. on here. So it, it, we we know that it's 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 because yeah. he's a Jew. So I think it's it could be a combination of those things. Totally, so scruples totally. about bowing down to him, uh, and, and you know we we think of scenes in the Book of Daniel about the refusal to bow down to mm. you know, um, and so. He he just stews. I mean, he he is uh, he's looking for a. He, he he doesn't want to just destroy Mordecai. Yeah. He he wants to destroy them all. Yeah. I mean, this is a man with a grudge. Like this is like, oh. you know, uh, talk about a grudge. Yeah. So he's obviously intensely anti-Semitic, and and yes. this just this just, is just the yeah. straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. Here is Mordecai. He won't bow down. Oh, this Jewish, but I'm going to get rid of this this yeah. people. So yeah, not um, just I'm not going to get rid of Mo- just Mordecai. Yeah, I'm going to get rid of them all. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That's a that's a particular type of you know evil. You know, hatred yeah, in the heart right. that yeah. is just shocking. So it says here uh, in chapter three, verse seven, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan. The poor, that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day in a month. Yeah. And this is for the killing of these people. So he, he goes to, um, uh, he, he gets uh, permission from the king to kill all these people. They cast the lots and it, it falls on this month, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and the, the lot is referred to as the, as the poor. Now that's yeah. this where we get the word Purim, Purim. from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that the festival is named after the lot that's cast, yeah. right? Because there's this idea, and there's a proverb that says, you know, uh, you know, men cast the lot, but the Lord determines the outcome. And, you know, the outcome is interesting because the lot happens to fall on the month that's way, 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 like this is uh, a long time ahead, right? Pretty much as much within a year 
as they could possibly have to yeah. prepare for this. Yeah, like 10, 11 months yeah, away. Yeah. And now that becomes important because some things, like if it was the next day, they'd be in trouble. Like they would have been in trouble, right? But this yeah. gives the Jews uh, time to, for, both for these events in Esther to take place yeah. and then for the Jews to prepare themselves to resist. Uh, the, the the onslaught that's going to happen as a yeah. result. Oh, you're getting ahead of the story here. This is that yeah. moment. This is the moment in the film. You know, this is that moment in the film where where you know Haman, our evil character, has got yeah. the dice in his hand and he throws it, and the camera dramatically goes into it, and the and the bad guy says the name of the film. You know, he's yeah, like yeah. talking about the dice. You know, it's the Purim, yeah. and then it goes. We know what it's all about. Yeah. So, uh, so the dice are, are so. Uh, Purim is means lots, yeah. you know, and and I think the you know the significance of that is that you know the Lord did deter the Lord determined the outcome, yeah. and and it, but in a very strong way, mm. you know, like there's a, there's an irony to this, like he's casting lots for the destruction of the Jews, but in fact he's just cast the lots for his own destruction, yeah, yeah, uh, and and this is this uh, reflexive kind of thing that happens, and hence hence Purim, so yeah, so he goes to he gets uh, he, he goes to the king. Talks, you know, uh, slanders this people. Say they they they've got different customs. You know, I mentioned that before. They don't obey the king's laws, which it wasn't true. Actually, yeah. this is slander. Yes. Um, uh, and it's it's in your best interest to get rid of this, you know, this people group. So the king gives him a signet ring. Go. Once uh, he, what's 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 with this drunk guy? Why is he giving? Why is he just letting this guy come in? I mean, we know that Haman's yeah. like his vo- viceroy or yeah. something, like second in command. But my goodness, how about a little bit of investigation here, man? Yeah, I don't think the king doesn't seem to be paying a lot of attention no. here. I he's having he's a lot too, of parties. Oh yeah, I lot think of he's too busy having parties. And yeah, yeah take my signet ring, which yeah. that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. Now, uh, th- this seems like a bad outcome for the Jews, but yeah. the fact that the king's not paying attention is actually going to be, uh, you know, is going to be, I guess, a, a chance for God to show that he is still faithful. Well, in our reading this week, this is where we're up to. Okay. Right, so All I right. reckon we're we're on the edge of the seats now. Right. In the film, yeah, yeah, good. Right, this is yeah. this is the tension moment. Yeah. We're like, oh no, my I'm goodness! Not, I'm not saying anything more. <laughs> yeah. They all die. And, um, this is we're yeah, leaving. We're leaving. It's, it's a tragedy. Like we're, we're leaving. <laughs> a, leaving ourselves. If you've never gone through this before, this is on the edge of our seats here. What is going to happen to yeah, to our so heroes? Keep reading here? the Book of Esther this week. Yeah, yeah. So we, we'll, we'll we'll continue on into next week. Uh, anything you want to leave leave in our in the forefront of our minds as we go to look for as we read the rest of the rest of the uh, you know the rest of the book this week. Well, you know, we're looking for God's faithfulness to a people who are out there, you know, who feel uh, probably may have felt at this time, is God really interested? I mean, we're not even those, we're not really the hardcore people that have gone back to Jerusalem. I mean, you can imagine, oh, there's this real hardcore spiritual people. They've gone back from Jerusalem. We're just here sitting around. God doesn't care about us. We're like the, we're, we're like the middle of the road crew, you know, over here. You know, still, you know, they're still going to church. I mean, you know, so to speak. Yeah. They're still doing all, but but they're just thinking, yeah, it's is God still, you know, is is God really interested in us? Well, the Book of Esther shows that God is faithful to you, even when you least doubt that you deserve it. You think, no, God's forgotten about me. He doesn't want anything to do with me. He's not interested in my life. Book of Esther shows that God is absolutely 100% committed to you. If you have, if you, if, you know, uh, if you have entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, you are a part of this covenant community and, and God's everlasting covenant of love applies to all of us. And uh, it's like, this is the message of the book of Esther 
is saying, God is going to be faithful to you. Whether you feel deserving or not, he is going to be faithful because he's absolutely committed to you. What a cliffhanger to leave Queen Esther and all the Jewish people in. What's going to happen? Well, don't read ahead. Don't want to spoil any though. I'm only joking, of course. <laughs> we want you to read ahead and join us on next week's episode when we conclude the story from the book of Esther. Now, if you have questions about this book, if you've got questions about Esther and what you're reading, we are dying to hear from you. Head over to the website thrivetoday.net.au. Listen to Benita, the voiceover lady. She'll give you some more ways to get a hold of us. And please jump on into our discussion and be part of the show. We would love to hear from you. Well, until next week, do us a favor and tell somebody about the podcast. But we'll talk to you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive. thrive.